Ah, jeez, I gotta take care of this before before we start recording. I don't want Miles to to be staring at this all all night while we're on camera. Oh, I'm in, I'm nearly forty. I shouldn't have to to worry about all these uh these pimples and stuff. And wait a second, is that a leg? Is that like a a weird leg sticking? No, nope, just an ingrown hair. We're good. We're good. But we are here to talk about scary stories to tell in the dark. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to your new favorite show, The More You Nerd. My name is Drew. Finally, gang, we're here the last week of Miles scaring me for the year that I know of. Miles, how are you, buddy? Hey, um, I'm doing great. I've I've been loving the, the spooky season. It's gone pretty, pretty well. Um. It's starting to cool off here in uh, South Carolina, so it's actually feeling like fall. And uh, that's one thing that I think uh, in in recent years that has made the season kind of feel a little underwhelming is when it's 90 degrees in October, it just doesn't quite have the same feel to to fall (laughs) as it does when things are a little brisker. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that's just going to be the the way things are <laughs> moving <laughs> forward probably. But yeah. <laughs> uh, let's let's get down to business tonight. So, we are here to talk about the final You're just trying to scoot 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 on all this October business. <laughs> get it out of the way. Um, um I, you know, <laughs> Halloween is coming. I've already had one child who had an awesome costume that has declared that they think they're going to be embarrassed in their costume. Uh, which what, makes me what, very what sad. Are the, what are the children's uh, dressing up as? Uh, my son is going to Jess dress. Jess. Jess uh-huh. <laughs> we don't edit this. It's fine. Uh, he's going to dress as Jack Skellington from the Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, which nice. is uh, I'm surprised it is the first time he will be dressing as Jack Skellington because he loves that character and loves that movie. Uh, but when we were at Disney World, he got a uh, a little zero that that magnetizes to your shoulder. Uh, and oh, that's so, cute. Yeah. So, of course, he he needed to to do that. And and my daughter. Was going to dress as a dragon rider in this big inflatable like it's an inflatable dragon that you walk around right. on. And she had a, a ball in it the first time she wore it. And and I think I wasn't home uh, when it when it arrived. And uh, I think my wife might have laughed a little too much not because because it was both kind of cute and funny but in that way that sometimes kids take that personally when you're not trying to because they think you're making fun of them yes so uh so she she is changing her mind at the last minute so we'll figure out what what she's going to dress as um but i hope the dragon rider costume makes an appearance <laughs> that sounds now is that like a dragon rider from like how to train your dragon or just a, no, a typical is, just it, dragon it thing. is just a a uh i'll send you a picture if i have one um <clears throat> but uh it yeah it, it is just a a, a a legally distinct dragon <laughs> <laughs> one of those great spirit halloween kind of kind of deals where it's like uh juice demon or <laughs> or uh 
Oh god, I'm trying. To, I'm drawing a blank now. There was another day where you, me, and Mike were just like exchanging like bootleg costumes for like an hour. Yeah, Juice <laughs> Demon, by the way, is Beetlejuice. Uh, it's Spirit Halloween has these bootleg kind of costume ideas. So like a uh, a power. Oh, mid- my favorite's Midweek Cutie for Wednesday. Wednesday Adams is Midweek Cutie. Uh, uh, a Power Ranger might be like a Rainbow Warrior or something like that. It's yeah. It's, it's it. Sometimes the, the, the names are uninspired and sometimes they are just mwah, amazing. <laughs> I almost wish that was the actual thing it was called. Uh, what, what was it? Um, what was the Guy Fieri one? Um, that oh, one was good. It was um, it was the Duke of something instead of the mayor or something instead of the mayor of Flavortown. It was the Duke of something like that. Um, yeah, I think, I think it was like the, the, the maybe the governor of Tasteville or, or, or Spice, something. Some, might have been Spiceberg. I don't remember. Uh, I, I don't remember, but it was, I, that one was pretty funny. Um, and well, it's fun. To, uh, so I guess both. Uh, the Goblin King and the Twilight Princess are big Nightmare Before Christmas fans. Yeah, yeah, they 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 are. My my son gets a little bit more associated with it because he loves Halloween and he was born on Christmas Eve. So when you have a character like Jack Skellington, who is, you know, the pumpkin, really King, associates with that. <laughs> but also loves the idea of Christmas, uh, it's it, it, they kind of go hand in hand. But uh, that's that's really cool. I, I, I'd never put that together. Um, so this week we are talking, as Drew said at the top of the show, about the 2019 adaptation of the classic children's books, uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, written by Alvin Schwartz and illustrated by Stephen Gamble. And those illustrations are a massively important part to these books. They are really part of the identity because, I mean, Drew, I don't have to ask if you read these. I know the answer. Um yeah, but, but for these, the record, these, I did not read these. <laughs> these were the books that kids would dare themselves to dare each other to check out. Like, especially if you were kind of in that middle grade range, these were written for that age group. But because of the illustrations being much darker and much more horrifying than your typical Halloween fair, this was kind of the seen as the more mature, scary stories. And and it, it both uh, delighted and traumatized an entire generation. Um, there were three volumes, one in uh, 1981, more scary stories to tell in the dark in 84, and then scary stories three in 1991, right before uh, Schwartz passed in 92. Um, there had been talk of an adaptation of some sort, I mean, since the 90s. But it really wasn't until 2013 when CBS Films acquired the rights to these books that movement started. And even then, it wasn't until 2016 when Guillermo del Toro came aboard that they actually started to develop the project. And it took it took a while for it to get off the ground because they were trying to find sort of how they wanted to tell this story. And they opted to do what what we saw this past week is a film that features stories as part of its narrative, as opposed to a straight anthology. And and Del Toro explained that when we were starting to talk about this five years ago, I had to think about it. Anthology films are always as bad as the worst story in them. They're never as good as the best story. I remembered in Pan's Labyrinth, I created a book called The Book of Crossroads. I thought it'd be great if we had a book that reads you and writes what you're most afraid of. 
Then the theme became the stories we tell each other. And and so there's the impetus of of the narrative that we we now have. And it's interesting because this this is what I wanted to do right after the 2019 Are You Were for the Dark? Because this this seems to be the natural progression forward from that, where we had the Midnight Society who were storytellers involved in their in a store in a basically in their own story. Whereas here, the stories are still part of it, but we're not breaking off into different sections. It's part of the narrative. And I thought that was an interesting way to solve the problem of including different stories. So Drew, I, I have added this one to kind of close the gap at the kind of the end of the tweens era. Like I told you last week, this is what I would give to somebody to in the same way as as when we were kids to test someone's metal if they thought they wanted to kind of graduate the kind of movies they were watching. This would be what I would give them to see if that if if they were ready for it. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see your hear your thoughts on not just the movie as we go forward, but your your I your thoughts of it as kind of a um, I don't want to use the term gatekeeper, but definitely as a, a barrier to entry for more adult horror. So this is the interesting thing, because I will say I am not supremely familiar with a ton of adult horror movies, which I know the door that I'm opening for Halloween's to come being Miles's friend. I've never seen a Freddy Krueger movie. I've only seen the I've seen Halloween. I've never seen a, a, uh, a Friday the 13th movie. Um, you know, I, I, I've watched a lot more sci-fi horror movies, like all the alien quintology or whatever it is but this movie is is interesting to me because of the simple fact that some of the stories in this are much creepier than others Mm -hmm. but i'm gonna be honest they're the only time that i as a grown-up was really frightened was with a couple of jump scares that happened at the beginning and I think that's interesting in that I because I have been legitimately scared by by some of the other movies that we have watched, Nightbooks in particular. I think the the the, the so you thought Nightbooks was scarier than this. I did because the night interesting Nightbooks is framed, especially at the beginning, to be there. There's a lot more tension associated with Nightbooks to me because I don't know. I I, I guess I felt where this was coming. Now there is another side of this coin. There was a lot more body horror in this yes and if you are are not comfortable with body horror or creepy images or things like that i could see i could i could see that being something where a young person might be more freaked out by some of the images of 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 some of the characters we're going to talk about like the scarecrow or the the pale lady is that what she's called yes um and the scarecrow is cool because i mean I know some of the reviews were like, oh, well, you know, not everything looked like Schwartz's or uh, Gamel's artwork, but the Pale Lady in particular, as well as Harold the Scarecrow, looked exactly like they do in the illustrations inside the book. And they had a style to them. The the Jangly Man was, it's I think, kind of its own thing. Um, I It wasn't my particular favorite, 
uh, of of the monsters. I thought it was a cool idea, but I felt it was played a little too lightly. It was played. Um, it was I honestly it felt like it was kind of played for laughs, which is funny because right. it's well, what, that, that one is weird because it has the capability with the kind of weird broken dialogue that it says that they could have really played that up. But uh, but I, I, I honestly, I'd like to talk about the thing that that I think is maybe the oddest part of this story to me, Miles, and the thing that. I'm not sure I get why they did this. OK, and, and that is as we look at this movie and the way that it's framed. It is set in the year 1968. Mm -hmm. It is a period piece with 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 our our main character, Stella and her friends, Augie and Chuck. And as they uh, on Halloween night and they they meet a, a young man named Ramon, who also gets gets involved with with what they're doing. I, I just I, I it feels like a very Del Toro move to need it to be some kind of a period piece. And I say that with all respect to, to Guillermo del Toro, because I love Guillermo del Toro. Um, well, I, I have seen El Espinazo del Diablo, the devil's backbone. Uh, one of his, uh, I would say probably it's, one it's of his devil's backbone is probably my favorite del Toro film. Yeah. One of his actual, uh, 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 horror movies. And I have seen that movie more than a dozen times because of a Spanish class in college. So thank you. <laughs> professors for making me uh, watch that movie over and over in both Spanish and English. So yes, I've seen that movie a lot, but it, it just, it, it didn't really add anything to the storytelling for me, mostly because it also, despite some of the stuff going on in the background and some of the real, the much darker, like actual human elements of the way they framed the story uh, about uh, some certain characters saying some certain slurs. Uh, it didn't it didn't add anything to it for me. And it also still at the same time didn't particularly feel like it was a movie set in the 1960s. So I I, I disagree um, in I think the the setting I was taken aback the first time I watched it that it was set in this time period. I was I was very, very surprised because um, I tried not to read too much about the movie before going in. Um, but I. I thought it was interesting and Del Toro basically said that uh, it's a it's a young adult movie about childhood around a time when things are changing forever. You're the, the latter end of your tween years. Um, and into your your teen years. And the way he put it was he wanted to put it as an anthology film to to him. He viewed this time period of 1968 and 69 as the end of childhood in many ways for America. It was a crucial time of the 20th century where Amer the, the the there is a cultural, a massive cultural shift happening and perspectives changing around this time. And. I think that was really interesting to to kind of put those two things together, um, because, you know, this is a this is a time where we see the decay of the American or Americana kind of slice of life, nuclear family stuff coming to an end. And we kind of see not only this kind of the uglier side of that, but also the end of that. And I thought that was kind of interesting to juxtapose uh, adolescence 
and and a horror story about adolescence along with that. So, okay, that that explanation I I do I, that that does change my mind a little bit. Um I don't know I, I I wasn't, I wasn't sold on the on the setting at first either. I, trust me, I, I'm I, my first viewing. I felt the same way when I saw this in the theaters. So, and one of the things that is happening in the background of this movie is that one of the opening scenes, a, a character is enlisting in the army to go to Vietnam to kill commies. Specifically, those are the words that come out of his mouth. It is the day of the like the day of the election is fast approaching and it's the election that Richard Nixon becomes president. And of course, Richard Nixon is a, I'm going to say a a very, a very interesting character when it comes to the history of politics in in America, but something as that I will say uh, is as the child of, of, of newspaper people, they have taught they my parents have told me about what it was like to be working for a newspaper in the 1970s when the 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 Watergate scandal happened and the fundamental change that seemed to follow it when it came to how the American press started dealing with politicians um which is interesting and and that's what's so interesting about this movie because the movie isn't necessarily political but it doesn't ignore the political themes of the time like yes uh, but, but we there have are also a, moments in this movie that are absolutely political for sure it, it does not ignore the politics of the time it doesn't ignore it doesn't attempt to not say anything but it's also the movie itself is not a statement if that makes any sense which which i think both helps it and hurts it because and spoiler. Well, again, we're going to be spoiling a lot of this movie. You guys know that going into it. So spoilers from here on out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, one of the main characters of this movie is a draft dodger. That's the only reason he's in the movie at all is because he is on the run from from the draft board. And that is stated and is a big deal in one scene. And they they don't really I mean, it's not it's if it, it's one of those things that. If you're going to introduce, to be fair, it's it's stated right before, like they're being chased by monsters. Yeah, so. it, it's again, it's it's one of those things where it's like it, it it's. I don't know, it, it could have landed better, like all of the all of the, the 1960s stuff that they bring up. Even the the one of the characters talks about Tricky Dick. That's not a great name for a president. Like it's just it's it's throwaway stuff. And again, I get it that the people that are in this movie are you know the main characters are in high school, and I'm I'm not actually sure what age they're supposed to be. I, I'm pretty sure that the the main characters are the fourteen fifteen kind of range because Ramon can drive. But Ramon's also been drafted, meaning he's at least 18. Was it 18 at the time? I could have been 17, but I would I would assume that that was. Because I, I, well, I, I mean, just, so here, but here's I, also I know, the thing. I know we he, signed he up for certainly does not. <laughs> we signed he up at 18. Does, yeah, he certainly does not look 18. He looks about the age of the rest of the crew. Um. Because because the thing is, they're still going trick or treating. Now, we also know that they are uh, horror enthusiasts. 
So they could have trick-or-treated well into their later years. I mean, I've I've stated plenty of times that I I trick-or-treated very, very late into my teens um, because <laughs> it's free candy. Um, I, I don't understand what's so childish about free candy. Um, but I, I will say, because I'm a big fan of this movie, I will say that I do agree with a lot of the flavor writing for the period piece aspect of the film feels superficial and and surface level. Um, I won't disagree with that. I think it's enough to for me to be like, OK, if this is when it takes place. That's that's fine. It doesn't bother me, but it is certainly a, a weakness in the film. It's It's just one of those things where they could have said it in the 1980s and it would not have changed the movie. They could have said it in the 1990s. It would not have changed the movie. It's like they it felt to me like we needed to have a time where kids didn't have cell phones. Even though they had walkie talkies that seemed to magically yeah, they connect. Have, they, have, they had walkie talkies. Well, because they, they were only like within a block of each other's Couple house. Couple of blocks. Yeah, it, it, yeah it, it, so it's it's, it's one of those things where it's just uh, they, they it seemed like, OK, we need a time where kids don't have cell phones. Let's do the 80s. Everybody does the 80s. Let's do the 60s. And that's it felt like as far as that 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 pitch went. Anyway, you have to imagine, you know, the the person that is running this show is Del Toro, who always always puts a I mean, half, half of his movies, bef- um, half his Spanish language, mo- oh, more than half his Spanish language movies take place during Spanish Civil War and times of political unrest. So. That's that's not uncommon for even though uh, this movie is directed by Andre uh, Overdahl, who did Troll Hunter. Del Toro is uh, he has a story by credit. Del Toro does love himself some Spanish Civil War, doesn't he? Yeah, <laughs> I can think I of mean, at least two off the top of my I mean, uh, uh, Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth, Pan's Labyrinth. Are both set during that time. Right. And I mean, he he never shies away from that kind of stuff. So I. And because he only has a story credit, not a screenwriting credit, and I don't think any of his his typical people uh, did any of that. Um, the movie is written by the the uh, brothers who did like Troll Hunters. They're doing Star Trek Prodigy this year and the first oh, Hotel real? Transylvania. Yeah, uh, the Hagerman, the Hagerman brothers. They they created Star Trek Prodigy. Uh, uh, OK. I'm sorry. They they also did Troll Hunter or they did Troll Hunters. They did they did Troll Hunters. The director did Troll Hunter, the movie yeah, that we okay. watched so last we need, year. So yes. so the director did Troll Hunter, the movie that we covered um Oh wow, it's been a year ago, I think. Uh well, when, we did Monster March. Yeah, we did Monster March and that is the uh, the Scandinavian uh monster movie about giant trolls. Mm-hmm. The the writers cr- uh, helped Guillermo del Toro create Troll Hunters, the CG animated Netflix series <laughs> yes. for, for and kids. Are, are the creators of the new Star Trek Prodigy, which uh, starts um, airing uh, this week on Thursday. Yeah, so I think Thursday. I will be. Uh, oh, I know Thursday. So. <laughs> <Good> <laughs> um, so, so, you know. Because you have good people behind this because the the original Troll Hunters series the the novel that del toro wrote also takes place in the 60s so he has a soft spot for this time when he writes these kind of 
uh, Amblin style stories of of kids coming of age while something kind of supernatural or science fictiony happens. Um, un- unfortunately, because I-, I think that he is not spearheading it, and and because the the Hageman brothers made Troll Hunters modern as opposed to it being in the sixties. I think that's where you get some of your like, okay, we'll put it in this time period, but we're, this is not our specialty. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. I, I, I do want to, I want to move away from that because I'm nitpicking at that point because other than that, yeah, it's fine. I do actually like the, the, the setup of the, the story. So, so the, the story takes place in, in a town called Mill Valley in Pennsylvania it's Halloween, and after being after playing a prank on the the bully that has terrorized them for years, uh, Tommy Milner, uh, Zoe, uh, Chuck, and Augie, uh, what a '60s name, Augie. That's probably the most '60s thing about this <laughs> about this whole thing. I um, mean, the 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 youngest brother in Gromley's role was named Augie. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> What am I supposed to say with that? <laughs> anyway, uh, they, they it's, 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 it's uncommon, but it's not it's not specifically old school. <laughs> uh, they, they are running from 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 the bully and they they hide out at the drive in uh, and end up randomly getting into the car of Ramon, who for some reason lets them in and uh, and sticks up for them. I don't know why. We don't know why. But in I, mean, that- I, I I think it's one. I, I I know the situation with locked cars at, at this time, but his doors were not locked. So he doesn't necessarily let them in, but they kind of make their case that they're, you know, hiding from from somebody. And he puts two and two together pretty quickly when he sees Tommy. So I think it's that like, you know, we do, and and this is this speaks to what Drew was talking about, where, you know, they should have done a little bit more with his character in terms of like who he is, because he seems to have a, 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 a backbone and a moral background, but he also is an objector to the war, uh, especially for some, uh, a, a minority person, uh, who is being drafted. Um, uh, and and that I think that that was the light commentary that they were trying to make. But that that whole subject is an entire can of worms. And I I do agree with Drew that not not giving him a little bit more pathos in his decision making. It takes away some of the power of the reveal. Well, because um, well, it's it's because it's also it also the when when we're introduced to Ramon, he is someone of latin american descent uh in in the seems to be native born to to america but he pulls up and you have you know the sheriff in the town look at him sideways you've got the bully calling him racial slurs and it's it's just one of those things where it's that but he's also a draft dodger but we don't find that out until the last 30 minutes of the movie right before he gets chased by a monster and there there's it's like they couldn't quite decide what to do with him anyway i want to move beyond that because i think other than that the setup for this movie is really fun so yeah St- stella our main character and ramon kind of hit it off almost immediately because they both learned that they are real big fans of horror and he questions like you've seen 
Night of the Living Dead, which is funny because that and then she been... immediately starts quoting the movie, which is is such a horror nerd move. Yeah, and when, like, when did Night of the Living Dead come out? Sixty-eight. Yeah, and, so it was, and that, she it was says, a brand new movie. <laughs> yeah, because she says it's the best film of the year. That's right. I forgot about that line. Um, and and so they so she decides to take uh, to take him and her two friends who one of whom is fine going and the other whom really doesn't want to go at all uh, to this this old haunted house this this bellows mansion that was was boarded up and and they used to let the kids used to sneak in but then some kids started dying so they 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 put fences around it but they find a way in the fence and they get inside and they're telling the story about sarah bellows and how she told scary stories to people through the walls and then she killed them and all, all big scary story stuff um until uh ramon uh being the clever dude he is discovers uh where the because fa- sarah bellows was kept captive by her family and then hung herself using her own hair and all of this stuff that is it's it's really interesting to hear those stories because those are how what actually happened to that character was sort of adapted and changed over time into the scary story that it became. And it's a really subtle thing that they do in that moment. And I really appreciate it as we learn more about what this character is. Uh, Regardless, they find Sarah Bellow's book of scary stories Mm -hmm. that is supposedly written in blood, blah, blah, blah. Well, turns out that's true. The stories are written in blood. uh, But as we learn through the next uh, next couple of hours, uh, the the stories are not written beforehand. They are written about the characters because this is a book that reads you and tells the scary story of your ultimate demise uh and uh rest in peace uh half of the characters in this movie <laughs> well, that's one thing that i i i wanted to talk about because i think one thing that that makes this work is that it is not afraid and this is typical of del toro and again he didn't direct this movie, but he it, it's he kind of oversaw it because this is this is equally overall's movie too. Um but it is something thematically similar to what Del Toro has done in his prior films, in that he is not, and this is something different from a lot of the movies that we watch, with the exception of maybe Nightbooks, and then a little bit of Warrior for the Dark. In this instance, the kids are in actual danger and some of them die and i think that is the first time that we have actually seen that happen in 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 the movies that we've watched over the last uh two two octobers and 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 while some of them have kind of the tearaway like jump shot tommy who is the victim of the scarecrow has a horrific body horror moment and especially for a I, I struggle to call this a kid's movie, but it's clear who the the true audience is. Um, but it's it's a pretty rough death for for a kid's horror film. Yeah, he he is in one of I think the one of the more clever stories. And again, we should also say 
all of the stories that we see in this movie are stories from or adapted from stories that are in the scary stories to tell in the dark book. Some of them are barely told. Some of them are told uh, some of the most of them seem to just be the kind of hook to the stories. And no, I'm not talking about the the story, the hook. Uh, See, Miles, I can make inside references. There's a story called The Hook. You got you got me. You got me. I I, I do. Anyway, uh, but but so so again, because I haven't read the the stories, I can't speak too much to those. I don't know if you can speak to any of this, but the the story uh, uh, that, that, you know, Tommy's story is that it is the the scarecrow that has scared him his entire life that he, you know, hits with with shovels and and axes and stuff to to kind of you know prove that he's not afraid even though the scarecrow has scared him his entire life well that scarecrow comes to life to get revenge on the treatment that it's got and uh and it's it's one of the more interesting body horror moments because you see tommy get stabbed with a pitchfork but no blood comes out straw comes out and he starts he starts pulling straw from his from his mouth and his nose and his wounds and his and his his ears and 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 we see after uh, when the when the kids have have learned at school that this guy has disappeared uh they go to investigate and see that there is a scarecrow in the 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 Milner's farm that is wearing what Tommy was wearing the night that he disappeared Ooh. I I loved this bit, and I this is what this is really what sold me on the movie because the scarecrow. I, I mean, Harold is one of the icons of scary stories, and each story told in this film is a popular story from the anthology. And obviously, not every story gets in, and so some people were all, always you know bitching and moaning about what story was included. Some, some are deep cut references. Like when Ramon is reading the, um, the story journal that, uh, of the stories that, that, um, Stella writes, he makes comment. Oh, it was, it was a sewer rat the entire time, which is a reference to an actual story from scary stories and tell in the dark. So, you know, you have three books of stories. They only use about four or five five ish because again some of them are just as simple as uh the red spot which is told which over, is over the course I, of- I will i will never forget the drawing associated with that story um because some of these stories were only a page maybe two yeah the, the just, reds- I, I gotta say we have one uh one pg-13 movie that that sneaks an f-bomb in and all of a sudden miles's language on the show gets a little more colorful i i <laughs> did it <laughs> it did i'm just i'm picking on you man oh. i'm just i'm goofing around but uh, oh um so what i really liked about that aspect of it was that i i thought that they chose some really really fun variety of stories because some some were just simple like the red spot and some were one of those kind of old gotcha stories um i i specifically remember a lot of ghost stories whether they were told or whether you read them, they were always this kind of like the, the where is my toes one as one I'm specific referring to. There was always a repeating beat 
and and usually the, the the storyteller would get louder and louder and then quiet and then yell and they they kind of replicate that with the action of this story and you know that one's a little more kind of jump scary uh, the, sa- the same with the the red spot because that's a classic what the one i i've always thought was was pretty terrifying was the pale lady because she looks and she looks like a drawing from the books come to life, but she also looks like she belongs in some sort of like Junji Ito book. <laughs> yeah. So the pale lady, I'm going to be honest with you. I, uh, in a different time in my life, I would have found the pale lady to be very, very like, she's creepy, really mm-hmm. creepy, but I am 100% doubtful that Chuck would have gotten caught by the pale lady because he could have darted around her with no issue. Well, so that's the aspect where, cause I was thinking about that when we, when we were rewatching this and I don't know if that would have happened either because you know, every, every corner he turns, she's there. She replicates herself. So I, I don't think that he would have, necessarily gotten away from her but they try to set up that he is extremely terrified and has been dreaming about this character yes but i i didn't like chuck is one of my favorite characters in this movie in this movie he's he's funny he's chuck is hilarious uh he well you have a story about chuck that we will talk about from the beginning yes. of the movie but I, I i didn't read true terror on his face I, I, I don't know that. Yes, th- that, that's the so, one thing that 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 didn't make that scene land for me. So the thing about this movie, I mean, it's a it's 108 minutes. It's a decent time. But this movie strives to do essentially. A season's worth of storytelling in 100 minutes. And because of that, I feel like, you know, some of the characters get a little shortchanged. Chuck and uh, Augie both um, both characters that are great. I like Augie as the, I mean, he's the typical, every every horror ensemble has that one friend who is very particular, very smart, very rational. Yeah, his, and, his Halloween costume is a Camellia Del Arte character. <laughs> yeah, I Camellia mean. Del Arte. Yeah, it, it's Piero the Clown. And I, I love that because he is a genuinely like already nerdy kid. And you can see why these guys are friends, because Chuck is just this affable, like he enjoys all the stuff everyone is into, but he's just kind of just wants to have a good time. He's just he's just cruising through life. Um, He is the 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 Richie, if we're using it analogies of the group. <laughs> so so, Miles, I want to take a, 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 a spot to stop. And tell and have you tell a story based on a okay. picture that you sent me today? Yes, and I will. I will absolutely post this this photo on our Twitter this week. So, in this movie, we at the beginning of the film, it, it's it's Halloween, and so we see Chuck getting his costume on, and it looks like a spider costume made for a second grade play. It's this little black suit. That's got uh, a string attached to the extra arm that that is glued on to the the ch- the chest on both sides. Yeah, only four and, arms, by the way. Only four arms. Yes, which which 
um augie reminds him that I, I got very like miles and drew vibes from these two's relationship <laughs> <laughs> um because they're constantly picking on each other just for the, the, the most dumb things and and drew and i do that in in real life so he complains to his mom you know i asked for spider-man this is i don't know what this is <laughs> and of course she's she's like you know Couch your blessings. You got anything kind of kind of deal. And it reminds me of several Halloweens that I have, but I have photographic evidence of my brother going through the exact same thing. Uh, this would have been the year I was probably in first grade. I went as Mario. It was one of the few years that I didn't go as Batman. And my littlest my middle brother said that he wanted to go as Batman. And my grandmother and my mom always enjoyed making our costumes. Like they made my Mario suit, which is, you know, not a big deal. That really only had to make the hat and just like, you know, stitch together some coveralls and buy a red shirt. And I think my grandmother made the the white gloves. But my grandmother at the time didn't really know what Batman was. And my mom didn't really either. And so they made my brother this. You mean Spider-Man? No, 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 no. The, 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 this picture I sent you was of a bat. He wanted to be oh, Batman. Oh, okay, okay, okay. It Sorry. does look spidery, but he <laughs> wanted to be Batman. And they did a very, very similar thing where they made this very adorable bat costume. But it's not Batman. <laughs> and it's got these little these little wings that are attached that co connect to the the chest and everything. I mean, it's the same kind of costume. But but seeing that dilemma, like just brought back memories of when, you know, you have a parent or, or grandparent that makes helps you make your costume or whatever. And, you know, you, they give it to you and expect you know praise and thanks and it's the exact opposite of what you asked for meanwhile miles's brother's like oh, man battle be fine i guess right <laughs> and then my my little brother one as a dinosaur that year but so i i do like little things like that because these are things that definitely happen to kids of all generations they can relate to that um i think that the the story of the kids trying to to figure out what's going on once especially once Augie is is taken or killed. Everyone's kind of on board of what's happening. Yeah. And so they're they're trying to figure out what's going on. And it's I mean, it's a really good kind of procedural thing of, of how they 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 figure out all this stuff about Sarah Bellows. And you find out that the real reason that she was uh, put away was because she knew that the the fam family's famous mill was poisoning the town's water supply and that's why kids were getting sick and dying I, and I, I i i gotta say i this is another one of those moments that doesn't land well for me the origin of sarah i like the origin of sarah and i like that she was kept like the family tried to to you know pretend that she was was you know uh not right in the head to borrow a, a 1960s description because she was 
trying to proclaim that the family was killing people with with because of this mill that they owned that was putting mercury into the water. I'm fine with all of that. What doesn't land for me is that she was a victim all along and she still continued to punish and murder innocent people after she was gone. So the thing about ghosts in in most most fiction is that after death rage is a basically a contact thing. If you come into contact with it, you are its new target. It's not necessarily not. And, and, yeah, and everyone yeah, has. A, you're right. It's it's pretty classic vengeful spirit I mean, stuff. There's it happens a lot in Supernatural. Um, it's it's not every ghost story that does this. I mean, it depends on the mythology, no, but, that, but you're that's, right. It's that's a lot the, of them. It's a lot of them. And I'm just I'm, I'm being I'm being nitpicky because I didn't. Yeah, I, that, that, yeah, that one didn't bother me so much. The the one thing, honestly, my, my the one real criticism that I have with this movie is so everyone's been taken and somehow they still get caught by the authorities of the uh, mental asylum that they broke into to look at the re- records of Sarah Bellows. Uh, they are then arrested. The the sheriff, uh, some for some reason, gives Stella a choice as to whether or not she wants to go home to her dad. Uh, th- that that part was uh, the whole jail scene is a little wild because, yeah, she gets a choice. They they reveal that Ramon's a draft dodger, so he spent the night in jail anyway. And well, so-, no, so that 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 whole scene read to me as the reason that he was going to let Stella go home is because she was hanging out with a non-white draft dodger. And that was just another bit of of it's 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 possible racism for the time. But because cool, he, he he does say, like, you don't you, you don't need to be hanging out with guys like this. Um, there is a little bit of that because he thinks a night in jail is going to teach her a lesson. Um, I, I'm still a little surprised as to why she has a choice in the first place. I figured because he know, the sheriff knows her dad, why he doesn't just call her dad up and be like, nope, you'll pick up your daughter. Like, yeah, it's, the, it's, well, the, it's, the, it's the one thing that where I've seen a minor have any decision <laughs> over what happens to them. Well, so there, there's the other thing to that is that, you know, he's like, go on, go on home, other other sh- sheriff's deputies i'll lock up as if they're just gonna leave these two alone in the jail overnight with no one else there that wouldn't have been a thing that happened i i i don't know enough about jails in the 60s to say otherwise because i i think i remember certain episodes of um andy griffith where that might have happened i mean so maybe. I, I, it's it's i can't maybe i, I can't I say know. so my but my real complaint is so at this point, the the new story pops up that's starring Ramon, and it's this jangly man, which is a story that he grew up with. Uh, the jangly man <laughs> twists twists the head off of uh, <laughs> the sheriff. Yeah, sheriff Turner. And- sheriff Turner uh, uh, loses his head. <laughs> um, oh boy! Meanwhile, all the all the while while this scene is going on, Nixon is being declared the winner of the election, which is just. I don't know. Again, it's one of those things. Which that... moment was darker? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially the the chaos that the monster call causes, the the two escape and he says go to Sarah's house and and <laughs> solve this because it's only going to chase me. Yet somehow he still ends up at that house. Um 
Sarah has a confrontation. Uh, Sarah, Stella has a confrontation with Sarah. And she basically honestly makes the same complaint that Drew was just making about how we know you're a victim. I am going to tell your story. You're you're hurting innocent people. And I give her I give her a pass because kids aren't supposed to be insanely eloquent, but she's supposed to be giving this inspa- impassioned speech to to move this ghost who has been killing people for over a hundred years. And that scene for me just doesn't quite stick the landing. Like I can accept the the order of events. I'm fine with that. It's just what she says doesn't really rouse me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um I, I do, however, like what she has to do to tell Sarah's story. She has to st- like she Sarah pulls out a a pen mm-hmm. and she says, write it in your blood. And so she yeah. so she jams the pen into her finger, gets like a single drop of blood, which is apparently enough to write the entire story. Well, I, th- I think it was a magical pen because it's also a pen from a ghost. Look, you've never gotten a ghost pen. Nah, Miles, you've gotten a ghost pen. I've got pens with ghosts on it. I've gotten at least four. <laughs> I've got four ghost pens, and I've got one of the pens that when you hold it upside down, uh, never mind. That's a Chuck joke. Um, <laughs> so this 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 kind of boils into like I feel like I've I've been nitpicking this movie too, and I haven't been talking enough about how much I love this movie because. I think because there are so many great things about this movie. I think all the kids are fantastic. Um, Stella gives me like very young Thor Birch vibes, like Thor Birch when she was doing like uh, Hocus Pocus and stuff like that. Like I, I, she's a, she's a really, really good little actress and I can see her doing more uh, after this. And I think she's, she's got like two Netflix projects in the works. And and she was Um, on walking dead before this. So she's already got some horror cred to begin with. Yeah. And uh, I think the stories chosen were great. I like the narrative through thread. I honestly, I just don't know if a feature film was the right move here. I think maybe a little series on Netflix or Hulu or Disney plus or whatever. Disney plus wouldn't have been this graphic, but I mean, it was, it's CBS pictures. It could have been on Paramount plus could have been on Paramount plus my, I mean, there, there's supposedly a sequel in the works. It could be on Paramount. There is, um, this movie made about a hundred and something million worldwide off of a $20 million budget. So they, they've, they've moved, moved forward with a sequel. Everyone is supposed to, I think it was reported as early as this year. They're supposed to be gearing up soon to film it because these kids ain't getting any younger. Yeah. Um, but let, let, that brings us to the, the conclusion of this film, because the conclusion is another thing that, that, that I accept, but if I'm, if I'm being analytical, it makes zero sense because so Ramon decides that he is going to honor his duty and join the army. Fine. Whatever, you know, it's fine. Then we we're, we are then in a truck with Stella and her father, who is played by Hank from Breaking Bad. <laughs> and then Ruth. Chuck's uh, older sister, yeah, Ruth, who we have not talked about much in, in this in, in, in our conversations. She has been a pretty persistent character throughout this entire movie. She is the victim of the story, The Red Spot, which is. 
<sighs> the story where spiders come out of a zit. Oh, God. Mm. Yeah, it's it's the scene that like I, I, I had told my I told my girlfriend this story before we went to the theater so that she wouldn't be surprised by it because she has an, an intense phobia of spiders. And and she still thought that scene was just like it was better because of the CGI, honestly, for her. But she well, still like it flipped her out. <laughs> now, I'm going to be honest with you, Miles. I'm a hugely arachnophobic. I do not like spiders at all. I. Um, I recently encountered a very large wolf spider in my basement uh, and I w- have new shoes, but my shoes have like little like because they're anti slip shoes uh, uh, for, <laughs> for walking in weather but they're very much raised and I stepped on the spider uh, and it didn't die. It got up and started running away and I then had to panic because it had gotten into the gap between the steps. Anyway, um, I will say about that is the lead up to the spider, the lead up to that moment was extremely creepy because you see it moving. You see the spot getting bigger. You see the leg come out and you see the leg twitch and it's very, very creepy. It's also the one thing that they'd actually been setting up for the entire movie. Yes. Um, But once it happened, it was cartoonishly CG to a point where it it didn't work for me. And I don't know whether that was an intentional thing or I I, I think that's what they had the budget for. I I think it might have been intentional because if they went, I feel like a lot of the the kind of cartoonish corners that were cut in this film were done to keep that PG-13 rating. I wonder. I mean, it could, that, that is very like I thought the the spider, the skull spider slicer monsters from night books were scarier. I thought the the scorpion scenes in Are You Afraid of the Dark 2019 were scarier. I was, it, that was the scene I was least looking forward to knowing it was in the movie because it was a scene that was in all of the trailers leading up to the movie. Right. And I. I walked out of it feel you know I watched that scenes like that oh, wasn't so bad that was all right you also might have overhyped it for yourself because that that happens in horror because when you when you are convinced something's gonna be so scary or when you're told and this happens all the time when you're told oh this movie's so scary it's so scary it's so scary and then you see it and you've already guarded yourself because you have all these expectations for this movie being so scary and it's perfectly serviceable. You, 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 it skews your your view of of that film. I've I've been victim to that, and I've done that to other people. Um, in terms of like you know hyping up a movie, and then they're like, "Yeah, it was, it was fine." Yeah, uh, it follows. Um, anyway, oh, it's damn classic. Get here. <laughs> um, uh, to, but, but to get I, back I, to get, get back to the end of this movie. So. Ruth, they they allude to, has been put in a, a mental institution because of the breakdown that she had over her disfigurement because of the spider incident. When I, we we are, I, I guess, meant to infer that when a spell is broken, when Sarah Bella's spell is broken, her her mental facilities have returned. Or I guess, or we learn that information from from racist police chief who is mad at the draft dodger so i'm not exactly sure that we should trust that dude's uh opinion on anything well maybe not his opinion but they they did place her in a in a menstrual institution so because she's even wearing kind of like i think 
Wow, well, she's wearing she's wearing normal clothes, but she's dressed down to to how she was throughout most of the movie. Um, and she still has a like, you know, sore spot on her cheek. She's got a scar. It's a single line scar on her cheek. And but my question is, like, it seems like they're leaving town. They are definitely leaving town because they are on their way somewhere to find out how to free. So here, here's the thing is I don't I don't know if I think I don't know, because there's no way dad believes this story. I mean, maybe he does. Or, and there's no, or there's no way he's le- he's leaving town with someone else's child. <laughs> I mean, we we don't know. Maybe they went to go pick her up from the insane asylum and they're driving back to town. That maybe, but that is not how it's framed. It's a weird like it's it's definitely it's like, a weird ending. Because like, I like the idea. <laughs> I like the idea that it's open. It was open ended. Of, uh, leaving this move with an open ending was a smart move because one, you put that the, you put it out into the ether that, hey, we might see Augie and Chuck again, but also here is how we are going to tell you more scary stories. Here is how you are going to get your next film. Yeah, because they, they still have Sarah's book at the end. We don't know that that book isn't going to have some other, you know, what what's yeah, going there's, on. There, there, there's something else to crack about it because, yeah, she she's trying to bring her friends back. And I, I guess Tommy, too, um, you know, <laughs> by 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 proxy um and i i I feel that we have been kind of picking on this movie for most of 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 this episode because yeah i think i think we i think it deserves it honestly i i I, I, I think moments in this i think moments in this movie are good but i think overall it's not particularly strong oh so i disagree i i very much like this movie i like i said i love all of the kids i think the the plot is super super fun and yes, it does not stick everything that it sets out to do, but I think it does a serviceable job of everything so that the sum of the all the parts is still a super fun movie. See, I, and I, I, I have no problem with the performances in this movie, but I think that it doesn't land more than it lands. And I think that the the movie, as, as I am looking at it as as a grown adult, and I know that's me as a, a nearly 40 year old dude, I, I don't. I don't think this one is is the strongest of of what we watched, and and it's weird that I I am literally thinking that a movie about Mister Top Hat is better, one of the worst oh. named characters in horror history. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! It is not the worst in horror history. I I, I there is much worse. <laughs> there, there there are movies literally called Night Beast. Um, so I where I land with this movie is I think it's it's I wish it was a miniseries. I, 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 I will say that I wish I think all the problems that, that this movie has would have been solved with enough time to breathe, with enough time to really develop some of the scares better, because it does race through a lot of its stories. And I think giving a little bit more time will also give you time to mourn the loss of the characters that pass. Because as it stands, it does share a little bit with the Navy slasher in that a lot of these kids are set up to get taken out. And while we feel for the main character who's going through this, and I certainly like Augie and and Chuck, 
it doesn't give us a whole lot to to work with to care. Yeah, Augie, and, Augie is 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 taken, and they see the the scratch marks of his fingers in the wooden oh. floors in his house. And then in the next scene, they're looking at microfiche spilling ketchup on their shirts. It's it's uh, it's not there's there's a there's a disconnect there and again well so i know i, I know that's I, that's 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 a thing where it's a movie and it's a movie that's evoking a particular style i get that it's just it i don't know there's the, the, it, it, it's something that that you know I, again i'm nitpicking i know i'm nitpicking i'm nitpicking <laughs> well so i also think the the thing that gets lost in translation here is i genuinely believe that del toro made this for a younger demographic Despite the fact that it's PG-13 and despite the fact that some of the the horror is meant to be stronger, I, I genuinely believe that he meant it for the age group of these books. So you think that this movie could have been a PG movie if but but that maybe some of the, the some of the body horror stuff was too much? If yeah, if this was 1988, this movie could have been PG easily. Uh, I, 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 I think I agree with that. I think that most of this movie is a PG movie and there's not enough to to justify the rating that it gets. Well, and I think that that's for the people that don't really care for this movie. I think that that tonal shift where you go in expecting something a little bit edgier and you get that for the kind of thing it is for an are you afraid of the dark kind of thing it being a little bit edgier works for the age group of are you afraid of the dark i don't know that every audience that that that's an adult would have gotten the same thing out of it unless they enjoy kids horror like i do but because i mean i still i've still very much enjoy this movie i think i think it's a blast i've i've watched it I watched it last year. I watched it when it came out. Watched it this year. It's it's a Halloween staple for me because it's it's very very fun. I you know me. I love ensemble kid horror. Like and there just yeah. isn't enough of it. Um, so, uh, you know, a, a ending this month with a little bit of a, a divisive movie <laughs> for the two of us. <laughs> yeah, I'm on one side and you're on the other. But uh, last last thoughts on uh, scary stories before we get into the rest of the year i just have to say i i didn't hate it i i thought that you know again i i liked the performances of all the actors a lot i just wish they were given slightly better things to do uh and that's that's really what i'll say i i think that some of the they they definitely have a a feel in the way that the 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 monsters look in a way that the the characters look and the stuff that works does work i just think that it has more misses than hits um and yeah uh, we'll see with uh part two at some point in the next five years <laughs> <laughs> yeah um like i said I'm, i am a big a big fan of this movie um i think for the especially for the demographic that it's that the books are set for i think if i if if i had like a 11 to 12 year old who wanted to these things a little bit ahead of their age group, I would show them this first to see how they react to it. Um, because I think this is the content is a little stronger, uh, but it's also not that strong. But yeah, for me, for me, it's a it's a good kind of. Walking the 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 razor's edge of of kid horror to teen horror and um, 
I think it's it, despite its its script flaws, I think it's still a super, super fun piece of kids horror, um, despite the fact that you and I have been picking on it for about an hour. <laughs> uh, so with that said, we are we are sadly closing, closing the door on another trunk or treat. Um, <laughs> Unsure uh, now that I've taken us to to kind of the team world where we're going to end up next year. I will be thinking about that for the next eleven months. But we uh, we're we going to have... go the opposite direction. It's going to be horror movies for elderly people. I've got those. <laughs> In fact, there's one on Amazon this month called uh, I think Bingo Hell. <laughs> Not kidding. It's a Blumhouse movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if it's called Bingo Hell, but I think I think it's something like that. Um, it's okay. Yeah, I it's, like it's, it. called, it's called it's it's called Bingo Hell. Yeah. All right, we got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it's it's I mean it's about what you think it is. It's a uh, a bunch of uh, older people are being preyed upon, and it's up to a couple of older people to take down the demon that is at their their retirement home. I just sent you the the poster for it. Oh, it's um, on Prime Video. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's it's part of Amazon and Blumhouse's uh, deal together. But we are doing something a little different. Um, we are deep diving Miles, in a Miles. I think it's time to blow this thing. Get everybody and your stuff together. Here we go. Three, <laughs> two, one. Let's jam. Yes. So, <laughs> with Netflix's live-action adaptation of Cowboy Bebop on the horizon, Drew and I thought it would be fun to bring back our deep dives. Uh, here's the real talk, gang. I really want to watch the Netflix Cowboy Bebop series but I haven't seen the original anime in more than a decade. And I feel, and I've wanted to watch the original anime uh, before watching uh, Netflix. I don't know why I want to do that. I just, I like comparing things, I guess. I don't know. Uh, and now I'm using the podcast to do that because that's uh, the only way that I can force myself to, to watch content. So we're going to do that. We're going to spend basically the rest of this year talking about Cowboy Bebop and maybe into next year if we get excited and decide to watch the the, the Netflix one. Uh, you tell us I'm if you think it's the Netflix show anyway. <laughs> yeah. You tell us if it's uh, if it's if it's too much Bebop. Uh, but we are going to start our deep dive with Cowboy Bebop starting next week. Uh, it is uh, the first three episodes we're going to cover uh, the first three episodes. And that show is now available on just about everything it is on netflix as of two days ago you can watch uh, at the time of this recording you can watch the the full anime there it's been on hulu i bought the entire series on itunes for five dollars it's not five dollars right now but i bet there's gonna be a sale coming up uh so you have plenty of time and plenty of places to catch this uh this anime classic uh, and we're going to talk next week with a little bit of history of this as well, including some things that I'll be honest, I did not realize about this show, uh, namely when it came out in Japan versus when it came out in America, uh, which is uh, was one of the most surprising things to me personally. Uh, so with that said, Cowboy Bebop next week. 
Uh, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to this. It's been a little bit since I watched it. I think it's fitting that we began the year with a deep dive in uh, Forever Night and that we end the year with a deep dive. It might be our last for a little bit. Um, and yeah, I, I think any reason to to visit and promote, I think, one of the best animated shows of all time. Is yeah, I, I, I'm excited to have something on the record uh, of of us going through it. I'm I've wanted an excuse to to revisit this for a while, and Netflix having a new show out, which is, I'll just go ahead and say it. I was kind of actively against, and then they announced the casting, and I was like, okay, I, I'm kind of into that. And then we see the footage, and I'm like, all right, this is cool. Today. The, the the full length trailer dropped and it looks amazing. So it went from a show that I actively did not watch. I did not need what I loved about Bebop was there was 26 episodes in a movie. That was it. There was never anything else. And th- that and the movie taking place in the middle of the series was one of those things that came out a couple of years later. And even at the time, people were like, they're making a movie. Yeah. And so I love that. I've always loved that. It That was it. That was the expression that they needed to do. And it was done. You, there's not a thousand episodes that there is one piece. So uh, actually, I, I looked I, this up the other day. One piece has not yet hit a thousand episodes, but it is in the 980s. It is very close. OK, so I, I'm so I, I apologize to one piece. Um, but yeah, so I, I this I hold this series in high regard, but it's always interesting to go back to things that you don't always visit that you thought are classics. Um, sometimes your your perspective shifts a little or sometimes you appreciate more things about it. And I'm really, really excited to do that uh, with this. <laughs> Yeah, this this excellent piece of animation. Yeah, I, I am interested to, to uh, the things that I'm going to be looking for, because, again, I've watched a couple of episodes, mostly in the first three episodes. I have tried to start the show over the years, and that's about as far as I get before something distracts me. Um, I am interested to look at the voice acting, because I remember at the time the voice acting being really, really great. But that was at a time when voice acting in anime was not really great. Um, I'm interested to hear the jazz soundtrack, which I remember some very specific things from, but let's hear how much of that style is really cool and how much of it doesn't hold up. And I am interested to see some of the more humorous elements of the show and to see whether they land in kind of the same ways that they did or whether I just didn't have any taste back then. Uh, So that's gonna do it for this episode gang if you would like to reach out to us you can find us at themoreyounerd.com where you can find our entire back catalog of 10 years of episodes you can tweet to us at themoreyounerd and go to facebook.com slash themoreyounerd and of course you can email us themoreyounerd at gmail.com that's themoreyounerd at gmail.com you can also find our store with some cool swag at themoreyounerd.threadless.com. And now, Miles, we end the show as we always do with a rousing, spooky nerd, nerd. out. Oh.